Thursday edition, Locked on NBA. David Locke with the Washington Post. Ben Golliver, as we get ready, teams are in the bubble. Practices are starting today. Things are getting closer. I'm a little brokenhearted. My team has left without me. And Ben Golliver, your is this right? Are you heading into the bubble, sir? You're talking to bubble-bound Ben. That's me. I am uh, I'm headed there on Saturday. I guess I check in on Sunday officially. And then we have like a seven-day quarantine period where you're tied up in the hotel. and They don't want you touching anything or talking to anybody or leaving the room. And after that, hopefully I'll get to see uh, some of these scrimmages before they start games later this month on July 30th. So it's all happening really fast. It's one of those uh, wait, 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 and hurry up type situations. And, uh, you know, here it is, you know, flight in two days. All right, so let's get into what you have to go through. Then we'll get onto the court, what we think we're going to see. And then before the show's over, we will look at kind of what the major and next steps are. But the players have arrived – and they're quarantined for two tests and 36 hours. You just said you're quarantined for seven days. Walk me through what happens when you arrive. And I'm assuming this means that of the media, you're a tier one media member. You're in for the duration. I am in for the duration. They took 10 people who are actually going to basically live and work inside the bubble in terms of writers. Now, there's going to be other media members from the official broadcast partners, whether it's ESPN, TNT, Turner, and so forth. Um, so there, there will be a, just a group of 10 writers. They're all going to live at the same hotel, uh, you know, basically the Coronado Springs. So it's not one of the players' hotels. I know people might think we're, we're living this lavish lifestyle. Uh, they're nearby, but uh, you know, not quite yacht club level uh, accommodations. Um, basically, you know, you have to get tested. That's the first step. I've actually had an antibody test already just through my doctor, um, you know, previously, but I haven't gone through the kind of testing that the players have gone through here over the last two weeks when they reported to their teams. So I think that's part of the reason for the, the longer quarantine period for the media. Uh, they'll, they'll give you a test kind of first thing when you show up. You have a little bit of freedom to kind of get yourself situated on Sunday and then basically Sunday midnight, it's kind of like a curfew. You know, you better be uh, in bed or you turn into a pumpkin and they start the clock uh, for seven days. You're stuck in that hotel room. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm going to have to be Instagram living or maybe do a few extra podcasts with you to pass the time or, or what the deal will be there. But, uh, you know, from that point, assuming your test comes back negative, I believe it was a second test as well somewhere along the way. Uh, as long as you get cleared from the testing standpoint, then they kind of release you into the wider bubble, which means you can leave your hotel room. You can leave that hotel property. You could start potentially, you know, going to, uh, you know, some of the venues where uh, activities will be taking place. So there's already been a few media members who have started to go through this process already, kind of early birds. Um, and there's been some NBA employees as well who are down there uh, getting a jump on things. So I'm not the first uh, test case. And that's probably a good thing. You know, you don't always want to be the first person to do it. All right. So, once you're done with your seven days, what will you be allowed to do? What will you not be allowed to do? Well, so the main thing you're not allowed to do is physically contact the players in any way. So, you know, we've, we've talked about the Orlando bubble, but it's actually probably smarter to think of it as a bubble with inside a bubble or layers of bubbles. The players are going to be protected very, very carefully, and not only from media members where there's not going to be any direct interviews there, you know, like, you know, one-on-ones or kind of face-to-face type interviews are just not allowed. Um, you know, they're also protected even from team owners. If you're not on that 35-man roster for each organization, 
you don't get to have direct contact with players. It doesn't matter if you're a team owner or a governor or a front office executive who's now part of the traveling party, um, a celebrity fan. I mean, whoever else it might be to try to come down there uh, will be physically separated from those players. Obviously, this entire event hinges on those guys testing negative to start and staying negative. So that's the highest priority of this entire process. Um, you know, past that, the writers will be able to attend the games. The tier one media members, it sounds like, are going to be a little bit closer uh, when the games actually start than maybe some other media groups that are coming in. Um, they'll also be able to participate in post-game press conferences for up to 30 minutes after each game. So, um, you know, in that scenario, you know, there's obviously going to be a distance between the players and, uh, and the media members, but you'll at least be in the same room to ask questions, uh, you know, to have kind of direct interactions. I imagine those will be televised like usual during the playoffs as well. Now, you'll be able to attend the games, uh, but past that, there's not really a lot of other media access. There's no shoot-around access. There's no pregame access. There's no locker room access, of course. You know, these players are going to be going back to their hotels to shower after the game. So, you know, it's not the typical scrums that uh, media members are used to. Uh, I think it's going to be very formulaic. I mean, there, there's going to be relationships between the media and the players in terms of, you know, just day-to-day visibility. Uh, but this idea of, like, you know, pulling somebody aside on the golf course for an extended, you know, one-on-one, uh, I don't think that's going to be happening. What are you most excited about? What are you most nervous about? Well, I'm obviously very nervous about the situation in Florida. You know, when we were first starting to talk about this at the Washington Post, hey, is this something that we want to do? The Florida situation was fairly well under control. It wasn't a hot spot. That's obviously changed a lot. You're even seeing uh, hospitals fill up in Florida. So that's a real cause for concern. You know, you want to game plan the worst case scenario. If someone does happen to get sick, you know, what's the next steps? And, uh, you know, there right now, it's just, uh, you know, it's uh, worse than the average state. Uh, and that's concerning. And, and they haven't really turned the corner yet. I mean, it's still, you know, getting pretty dire. So it could get worse you know, over the course of the next couple of weeks or next couple of months. Um, and that also raises some concerns about just, you know, in transit to Florida, just being as careful as possible, trying to limit any social interactions, whether it's on the flight, whether it's from the airport, you know, to the hotel, to the media hotel, all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm uh, I'm going to be very cautious about it. I got a face mask. I got uh, you know, the, the the plastic shield, I've got gloves. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely going to be going, you know, to overkill, or probably some of your listeners would feel like, but, uh, you know, it's one of those situations you don't really want to take a lot of chances. In terms of what I'm excited about, I love summer league. I like, you know this about me. I like going to watch eight hours of basketball in a row. I mean, that's, I'm just a basketball junkie. This idea that we're going to have all the best players in the world, not the, the summer league guys, but LeBron and Giannis and Kawhi Leonard and, you know, there's some guys are, are missing out, whether it's KD or Steph, but, uh, you know, Zion, you know, one of the biggest stories uh, in the league right now, all those guys are going to be playing in empty gyms. You know, it almost feels like it's a personal audience. You know, it's, it's going to be a different vibe there. So I'm excited for the basketball, but I'm also excited for just, you know, the weird sci-fi story aspect of it. Uh, everybody I talk to keeps saying, well, this is going to give you a story for a lifetime, right? It's going to be something that you never forget. It kind of feels like study abroad, you know, like I'm, I'm going down to a, you know, do a semester abroad at, at Disney World. When you think about this and you and you head into this realm and you've read as much as you have it to learn it, do you feel more confident that it's going to work? Uh, lately, I would say I'm actually, you know, trying to do the, the visualization of what does the best case scenario look like? What does the worst case scenario look like? And I don't know if I'm being biased by the idea that I kind of have to be mostly stuck in a hotel room for almost three months. 
But this vision of it making it all the way to mid-October and crowning a champion, at this moment right now, it feels a little bit like a mirage, I'll be honest. In part, that's because, you know, MLS has already had a, a significant outbreak with one team having 10 positive tests and basically being sent home from their bubble. I mean, that just feels like a little bit of a bad omen. And obviously the momentum in Florida, like I mentioned earlier, is concerning. I'll say this, I'm going into it, you know, very hopeful. You know, I would like nothing more than this to work out as they plan. I mean, I, I would certainly be having a big sigh of relief if it plays out like they're hoping. Um, but uh, I think, you know, ultimately you can't just hope. You have to be kind of prepared for a worst-case scenario. You have to be prepared for the national coronavirus situation to get way worse, too, and, and maybe uh, states start rolling back some of their plans, and uh, there, there's policy adjustments. You kind of have to keep all those things um, in mind. But what I do appreciate is the level of attention to detail that the NBA has put into this plan compared to some of the other sports. I think there's no question to me um, that it's safer than, like, what baseball is trying to do with only doing testing and, and not really having a bubble uh, you know, it's it's clear to me that they've tried to salvage a season, even in ways that, you know, like, say, the Ivy League football, they came out and canceled this week or at least postponed, uh, you know, pretty uh, significantly. It's just because they didn't have a plan. They didn't have any other workable way around this. The NBA is at least trying. Um, and I think that, you know, ultimately that's that's nice because their head's in the right place. They put a lot of thought and time into it. And we all just hope it works. I got to tell you what, in regards to the, and I, I don't know anything. I mean, this is just one person's opinion, kind of reading headlines and every medical study that's been written about this. Uh, if I had, if I was trying to avoid COVID, if that was my number one thing I was trying to do in life was avoid COVID, I would go to, I would go to the Orlando bubble. I think it's probably the best place you can possibly be to avoid COVID. Well, I, I'm with you mostly. Here's the thing. Adam Silver has this line, it's safer in the bubble than it is outside the bubble. And I think that's absolutely true for the players. I mean, if you just look at their positivity rate coming out of this last testing process, it was like, you know, 5% of players tested, tested positive. And, um, you know, that tells you that their average day-to-day -day life is, is carrying a, a real deal of risk. You know, if basically one in 20 guys is testing positive. That means they're putting themselves in situations where they are, um, at risk. I will say that I've been very, very lucky over the last four months that I've basically been able to work at home. I've had no disruption with my job whatsoever. Um, I've been able to limit my social interactions extremely. I, I don't go out to grocery shop. I can get my food delivered. I've basically been a one-man bubble for four months straight. And so I think that it's actually safer for me to stay at home just because there's fewer social interactions. I'm rarely in uh, a six-foot radius with anyone I'm not necessarily riding a, a transportation bus like I'll have to to you know go to a, from the hotel to the gym. There's just fewer opportunities for me to get sick. And as it happens right now, my particular neighborhood uh, has not really been hit in any meaningful way by this uh, bug compared to, say, like Orange County. So I think in general, the bubble will be safer for players, for sure, or for the average person. I think for me, the risk will increase because uh, I've been just on this, you know, very, very strict personal lockdown. And I know everybody approaches this thing differently, but I've been as basically as careful as somebody could be for the last four months. He's Ben Golliver, Washington Post. He'll be in the bubble joining us here on Locked On throughout. So make sure you remember Thursday's Locked On NBA with Ben Golliver. We're going to go on the floor. What do the eight games matter? How much do they impact season awards? And how do we look at those Eight games. That will be with Ben as we continue on Locked On NBA. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. 
reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Best of all, the prices at Rock Auto, not only reliably low, as I said, but the same for for professionals as it is for do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? When you go to the, they call it the brick-and-mortar store, you walk in, you're now beholden to what they have in stock, what fits your car that they have at the price they want to put it there. That's not how rockauto.com works. The rockauto.com catalog is unique, remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. That's why it's amazing selection, reliably low prices. It's rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. When you go to rockauto.com right now, see all those parts and write locked on in their how did you hear about us section so they know you found out about rockauto.com at locked on. We have eight games left. Do you think there's a chance that any of the eight games will alter any of your season award votes? I think it's definitely possible. I would say for me personally that it probably wouldn't change uh, my votes on the major awards, especially like MVP or Rookie of the Year, the ones that are getting a lot of conversation, you know, Jaw versus Zion or or, uh, LeBron versus Giannis. The reason why I think that the favorites, there's not really a lot of time for them to lose their seeds, whether it's Milwaukee or the Lakers. So I think it's going to be kind of a cautious reentry approach. I think there's going to be a real fear of uh, injury, a real pacing factor. You know, you're just getting adjusted to so many things. So I think for the teams that are fighting for playoff seeds, you know, whether it's like Utah, Houston, uh, you know, Denver, Oklahoma City, those kinds of teams, they're going to have some more motivation to play really hard, um, you know, potentially. But I think for the very best teams, uh, you know, maybe not as much. Now, to me, if Zion had been healthier for another extra 20 games before the shutdown, this thing could get real interesting on that rookie of the year race. But I still think if the, even if the Pelicans came back and knocked the the uh, Grizzlies out of that eighth seed, to me, that's still John Morant's award and based on his total body of work. But I do think that this is the ultimate case for recency bias, right? I mean, people have long forgotten what happened during the regular season. I mean, going all the way back to the start of the year, last October, I could barely tell you anything. I hardly remember anything from that time period. Uh, so I do think that those races are going to heat up and we're going to get some discussion about it. But I think ultimately the games are going to be more of the warm-up variety as opposed to, uh, you know, message-sending variety. You know, we're actually going to do on the Locked on NBA feed on the t- uh, two few days before the uh, – start of the season we're actually going to have all 22 hosts do like a four or five minute like in case you've forgotten here's where we were I, I gotta be honest I actually think it's just for me like I gotta call games and I don't remember <laughs> where anybody is I think I'm just being selfish as the like guy who created this network and I'm gonna make them do this because frankly like I have no idea like we play the Spurs I can't tell you anything that was going on with the Spurs before like I have no I really don't have any memory. I feel like I'm going to have to go back. Like, I have more memory when I start a season prepping about how that team ended the year before than I do right now about where teams sat at game 63. No, I promise you, you're not alone. I feel the same way. We're all kind of like Charles Barkley doing the who he played for. I mean, that's that's how I feel, especially with all those moves that happened right, right after the trade deadline, like the buyout moves trying to keep track of where all those guys landed. Uh, you know, you got Marvin Williams in Milwaukee. You got Dion Waiters with the Lakers. You got Marcus Morris on the Clippers. I mean, the list goes on and on of those guys. 
it's going to be very jarring to see those guys in their in their jerseys down there in Orlando. Um, I, I don't think you're alone because we should not um, understate the impact that COVID has had on all of our lives. We've been focused on totally different things. You know, even though you and I have talked basketball weekly, I mean, we have not been immersed in this sport like we typically would be during a normal offseason. We're not processing the day-to-day you know, trades and signings that happen in a normal offseason like we normally would. We've just you know, been distracted and rightfully so. And we've been focused on other things. So there's going to be a real catch-up period. I think we're all going to go through it. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to feel like sort of like that weird deja vu or maybe a little bit like vertigo. I mean, that kind of a feeling, I think it's going to hit us all pretty hard here once the uh, regular season games start up. Everybody is talking about how the basketball is going to be bad. I have a totally different opinion on this. So I think it could be a little rusty here early, which frankly, who cares, right? Yeah, I got it. Brooklyn's like coming with Michael Beasley and Jamal Crawford. And like Washington is doing, you know, Washington is seeing how many few players the Nets are bringing and making sure they bring fewer to make sure they get in the lottery. <laughs> like I got what's going on, right? I'm aware of this. So yeah, right. Like, like in Phoenix might not be great. I, I got it. We can isolate and look at that if we want to. But if you actually think about this for a second, so they'll start practice tomorrow or today on July 9th. Okay. They won't play till the 30th. That's a 21-day ramp up. That's a lot. That's as long as training camp. These guys are actually in half pretty good shape. From everything I'm being told, from the teams I've talked to, these guys have actually found a way to get their work in. There's a few cases where guys, and there's the Chris, weird Chris Middleton story, but I think most of them have gotten work in. Up to this point, are you with me? No, I hear you. I love this take because okay. I really have hardly heard anyone say it, so keep going. Okay, so... I actually think they're going to be fairly ready after eight games. Let's say they're not. Let's say that's not great basketball. They still have from July 31st to what's the first playoff game? August 17th? Um, yeah, I think it's before that. Um, no, no, you're right. August, August 17th. That is correct. The, the first because they have to do the play-in. The play-in games are like August 14th right. and 15th. Okay, the first round of the playoffs, we're now at August 17th. These guys have now been here for seven weeks. They're ready, Right. These guys are now ready to play. Now, and even if you want to say they're not ready then, they're sure as hell ready by the time we get to the second round, which is really what matters when you're at the final eight teams. At that point, they're no longer traveling. They're no longer having, I don't know if distractions are a problem really, but I've traveled. It's not easy in the playoffs. It's not easy going back and forth from Houston to Utah or LA to Houston or places like that in the playoffs, even if you're spending the extra day. You're rested. Usually when you get to the second round of the playoffs, you've been playing basketball from October. Frankly, these guys will have only been playing for seven weeks. They will be rusted. They will be at peak performance. The worst thing that happens in the playoffs is all the days off when they have to kind of go in and out. If you talk to any of the sports science guys, they'll say the best way you can have players play is play every other day. That's, you know, anytime they rest for more than two days, it's actually a injury risk. And anytime they play back-to-back days, it's injury risk. We'll have none of that. I think we might get the greatest basketball we've ever had in the history of the league. That's an absolute heater. I love that take. Um, I will say this. I have thought that if they can make it, you know, health-wise, everything else to that second round and on, I think I agree with you that the basketball could be in really, really good shape by then. Here's my concern about before that. First of all, I think they brought a lot of teams, and they brought a lot of teams that aren't really that good. And so I I question – 
are those teams just trying to get home, right? And we've got like almost half the teams in this thing, I think, are under 500. So that, to me, that's a little bit of a concern. What's their motivation? Some of those guys are, some of those early teams are missing key players, right? Uh, the other thing is, I really think that, you know, you're, you've got a, a select group of like elite teams, whether it's Milwaukee, Clippers, Lakers, um, and the teams that they have to play in the first round, I think those series could be really ugly. And I think if I'm on a team, in that position, having to play one of those uh, high-level teams, I would be kind of intimidated. I would, might have one eye towards, okay, maybe we can get home out of this bubble. So I think the problem could be that the fans are watching, waiting for the good basketball. Maybe even the good teams are playing good basketball, but we're not necessarily seeing competitive, excellent games among the best teams until they reach that second round. And that's a long time to kind of string people out and make them wait for the really good games, if you know what I mean. And so uh, I do think that uh, it'll be incumbent upon us as media members if they get to the second round and uh, you know the basketball is where it needs to be, as you're describing, and we've cut out all the riffraff, it will be incumbent upon us to kind of shout that from the top of the mountains and say, hey, everybody, I know you were waiting seven weeks for this, but we've actually got really high-level games that people need to pay attention and watch it. I guess I'm just concerned. How long does it take us to get there? That's that's my big uh, my big hangup. And I think I agree with you. When a team's down three one, the prospect of getting out of the bubble I think is going to be real. Well, for sure. And even if you're down two zero, right, and you're used to going home for that game three bump, and the the road team off the underdog often wins that game. You know, now if you go down three zero, then what happens, right? That's that's a little bit what I'm nervous about. Um, and I'm also, you know, these, these top teams were good this year. I mean, Milwaukee was an excellent team all regular season. The Lakers really performed at a high level, and the Clippers were turning it on and, and playing at a very high level too. So, uh, you know, some of those series, you know, if I'm down there uh, and, you know, I, I'm stuck in this bubble for seven weeks and my reward is to, to go play LeBron in the first round, I mean, you know, that, that uh, sounds like a great stage. I know my parents are going to be watching at home on TV. It's going to be uh, really talked about and everything else, but – uh, that's also a, a daunting task, and we'll see if some of these younger teams, some of these less experienced teams are up for that kind of challenge. Ben Golliver, Washington Post. I'm David Locke. The biggest stories, the local experts every Monday with Josh Lloyd here on Locked on NBA. So as we get closer and we start kind of working toward playing, what are the next steps here? Like MLS is kind of a model for us to watch. Like what are the things, Ben, as you start to head in, what are the things that you're watching that are indicators of whether, of good signs, bad signs? I, I think I, I might take a little bit. The PGA Tour had a few guys test positive, don't seem to have had like a significant outbreak amongst the group, right? A few cases here and there but it doesn't seem like the interaction at the golf course has caused 30 guys to go test. I thought that was a really good sign. What are the things you're watching for here? For sure, the biggest indicator, and Adam Silver said it this week, is the number of positive tests of players coming out of the quarantine, the player quarantine, right? Because ultimately the whole goal of the bubble is that you start at a baseline where everyone's healthy. So what we saw with the, the FC Dallas team in the MLS is I guess they thought everybody was cleared, you know, coming out of that quarantine. Uh, clearly, at least one guy wasn't. And then quickly, he's able to, uh, you know, apparently, uh, we can assume, spread that to up to 10 teammates. Did that happen during the travel procedure? Did you have a test that just gave you 
a false negative and you know you were clear but you weren't actually clear was there some other level of contact inside the bubble that infected one player and he passed it on to his teammates those are kind of the the unknown questions but if you're the nba and you have you know more than 300 players down there this whole thing is and they're going to be playing full contact practices you know pretty soon here full contact games and scrimmages not too long after that you have to start with everybody healthy, otherwise it will spread. That's just there's no way around it, and that's in, that's how this entire thing is designed. So what Adam Silver said he's looking for this week is, uh, you know, we'll know we're in good shape if they come out and we've got clean tests. If we have a positive test after that, you have to be really aggressive, isolated, uh, trace who they've had contact with, test those people again to make sure that they haven't been um, impacted and they haven't passed it on to anybody else. And you really have to be proactive with it. Um, that's what we're looking for. That's that's clearly the next step in this entire process. And ultimately, as long as none of the players who tested positive before they got to the bubble show serious uh, symptoms or are really, really sick, uh, those tests are, I guess one way to put it, would be less meaningful in terms of the M- NBA's ability to uh, you know, carry on these playoffs, right? If those people can join their teams later uh, or if they decide to stay home, uh, those positive tests don't necessarily impact what happens inside the bubble. Any positive test that takes place when the players are inside the bubble does put the entire bubble at jeopardy. Guys test positive in, in the next 36 hours as they've all gotten into the bubble. That's one thing. Isn't the, it's, if we start getting tests on the 20th, 22nd, 24th, in other words, that they're getting infected in the bubble, that's, that's the disaster scenario, right? Correct. Well, look, if, if, you, if you're testing positive when you're in your hotel room quarantine, they're not going to let you out of the quarantine, right? So that's okay. If, if you've been cleared out of the quarantine and then in the subsequent uh, uh, testing that they're going to do where, you know, basically every day you're going to be tested if you're a player, if at some point after you've cleared the quarantine you test positive, that's when you have a problem because you will be in a position as a player to – interact with your teammates to practice with them, to potentially eat group meals at a, you know, a safe distance with them to go through, you know, team meetings with them. I mean, that, that's how the, the team spread would occur. Um, you know, you could rewind back to March and imagine, let's say Rudy had been asymptomatic. And so he never got tested. Um, you know, Rudy Gobert with the jazz, uh, you know, if he's just going about his daily business, you know, eating meals with his team in the locker room with his team, uh, and, you know, that kind of thing, it could spread very quickly. It's, there's there's no, no doubt about that. So that's why you need everybody coming out of that quarantine testing negative. All right, I have one last question for you. This one's kind of loaded. Big question to be dropping at the 27th minute mark of this podcast. But I keep listening to the players talk about keeping the, the Black Lives movement, a lot, uh, movement alive and while they're in Orlando – Honestly, as we're getting closer, I think it's it's going to be more difficult than, than maybe they thought. We'll see. They, they might be. We'll see. The question to me is, are they going to keep it alive when it impacts their lives? And what I mean by that is, are we going to have a player that goes on his Instagram live as a marquee free agent? Imagine if Giannis were to do this. Who suddenly has charts, Ross Perot-esque charts, old reference, that suddenly shows hey, this organization's front office has this level of diversity, their coaching staff has this level of diversity, and their business offer has this level of diversity, and therefore, that's great, so I'm going to talk to them on Tuesday. And this team is inadequate in their front office 
inadequate in their coaching staff and inadequate in their business office. Therefore, I will not be discussing my free agency with them. And this team has these things, except for that owner gave $3 million to this president, and I'm not going to support that. So therefore, they're out. What do you think happens? When do you think a player would do it? Do you think we have anyone? I mean, that, like, that's a moment, right? And do you think? No, I mean, that would make, that would make major waves. There's no question about it. Um, it's an interesting spot because, you know, we are in this player empowerment movement where some of the superstar level players are bigger faces for the organizations than everybody, including the owners, right? So it's almost like, well, if I go to this team, that, that team is now going to be associated with me as compared to they're associated with their owner or their front office executive uh, or their coach. So I don't know uh, exactly, you know, whether a player would be motivated like that. Um, but certainly like, uh, you know, if this is a, a cause near and dear to their heart, they're going to want to work in an environment that's comfortable. We have seen players be able to get their associates uh, or their, you know, own personal uh, whether you want to call them employees or trainers or, or chefs or whatever on team payrolls before we've definitely seen that happen in the past. I mean, I think that comes from a certain comfort level as well. So I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Um, we've also heard the, the counter argument, which is I'm not going to play for the LA Clippers because Donald Sterling's the owner. I mean, we've heard that from players or I don't want to go play in a certain market because of the way they treat athletes. I mean, we've heard those kind of rumors for years. So I think that we're we're more likely to hear that kind of a thing continue as compared to what you're describing. But I do think it would be a pretty darn powerful. And by the way, there's going to be some tests here along the way. I mean, not only is it just the Jersey names and the black lives matter on the court, there's this national anthem thing too. You know, the NBA players have basically always stood for the national anthem, even over these last couple of years. Does that change with George Floyd? Does it change opening night? Does that story wind up being one of the first things that everybody talks about with the NBA's comeback? Does the president decide to wait, wait into it like he has with NASCAR? I mean, I think that there's going to be some real high visibility, high leverage moments for the players here right out of the gate. And I'm fascinated to see how they, uh, how they address them and you know, start with the top LeBron. We have not heard from LeBron in the media uh, at all yet. You know, Anthony Davis has talked, Caruso has talked, a number of other Lakers have talked. I don't think that's an accident. You know, I imagine that he's preparing something uh, for all of us to uh, to take in here once we get down to Orlando. And personally, I have no idea where it's going to go, but I could see something like that uh, that you're describing be on these guys' minds for sure. I mean, it'd be a pretty pretty large moment if if the players are if that's the level to and that's the player power, right? That's where and, and those are the things that they're talking about. It'll be interesting. Uh, tip of the hat to MLS. That was a pretty incredible open to their uh, season. Uh, in, in their demonstration last night was was something special. So uh, tip of the hat to the, those players. That was definitely moving and, and meaningful. And and maybe in that regard, I'm, I'm wrong that it's going to be difficult for them to keep their their voices heard. I, I hope I'm wrong on that. I just think as we get closer, it feels like this is going to be a tougher task than at least when the players I've, I've talked with uh, have made it sound, but we'll see. I could be, I could be totally wrong on that. Maybe the, their spotlight will be so bright they're going to be able to do marvelous things, and I, I hope that's the case. Well, here's one other factor to consider. I mean, if they are able to to stay healthy and the bubble continues and it holds up, right? I mean, they're playing into October, and there's an election coming up in November, right? And so I think there's going to be a lot of political talk. There's going to be a lot of focus on. NBA player politics, which has always kind of been a thing, but I, I think it will be 
even more intense than usual. And so if players have opinions on those kinds of issues, the platform will be gigantic because that's a situation where the story carries and transcends outside of sports. And now it becomes, you know, the political election coverage, which just gets saturated every single year in the, the run up to an election. Right. So I think from that standpoint, I'm envisioning a situation where LeBron heads into the NBA finals uh, at the beginning of October, potentially, and, you know, both sides of the aisle are watching. What does he have to say here about the election that's coming up in five weeks? I mean, I could see that kind of a moment, you know, really carrying, a, you know, a, a large viewership number and, and extending way past the typical basketball fan uh, niche. Ben Golliver, we look forward to chatting with you throughout your time in the bubble. We look forward to maybe having you on a few extra shows along the way. I don't know. but if you, I mean, you're going to be court. What are you going to do for seven days? <laughs> like I said, a lot of podcasts. Like it's a good thing. I'm, you know, I'm, I'll be available. Let's put it that way. But uh, you know, I've got some books I'm trying to catch up on. You know, the, the post definitely keeps me busy. We're working on some bigger stories about just the, you know, the, the lifestyle down there. And I think there's going to be a lot of news coming out because we're going to have to track which players are healthy. You know, who might be a late arrival, who might be testing positive. I mean, I think we're going to be busier. You know, during these next couple of weeks than we've been at any point, probably since the All Star break or maybe the trade deadline. And so from a, you know, a guy who's kind of a workaholic, I'm looking forward to that. You know, it's nice to be busy rather than, you know, trying to find ways to pass the time. You think they'll give you Disney plus for free so you can watch Hamilton? (laughs) I haven't asked about that. I guess you get a magic band. Have you been to the Disney amusement park? I have not. Uh, I get, so I guess it's some sort of an all, you know, it's kind of like an all access pass or it tells you where you can go or where you can't go. And it gets you into your hotel room, kind of like a contactless thing. I guess you wear it around your wrist. Um, I've never worn one before, but apparently you get to pick your color and everything else. So I don't know, man. It's uh, it, There's going to be no shortage of Mickey Mouse stuff. There. That, that to, is for sure. We, are you, are you we know to, that going in. Are you going to have to wear that thing where if you get inside six feet of someone, you get, like, zapped? I ha- Well, look, I would wear that. Like, I'd wear two of those. I want everybody staying back, man. I don't, I don't need anybody in my personal space right now. And, you know, if they were going to maybe cut, a, you know, one of those rings that, that will help maybe test your temperature and all that kind of stuff, I'd wear one of those, too. I'll bring it all on. You can test me however you want to test me. I'm trying to come out of this thing in one piece. I think it's. I think all the precautions are great. Don't misunderstand. I'm just having fun. I just think I have this vision, <laughs> like the whole thing about it, all the personnel people wearing, like, six feet little separators, you know, like I can see, like I know Bob Myers is not there. He's just the first name that popped up to, in my mind. So, like, I'll use people that aren't aren't going to be there. Like, so Bob Myers and you know, like Wes Wilcox. Okay, he's not a GM anymore. I know I'm doing this on purpose, so I'm not like starting, you know, something. Like I could totally see the two of them. Like they're like talking about a trade for the offseason. One of them steps one step too close. Bleak, bleak. Oh wait, is that a sign that I shouldn't do this trade? Is that my inside six feet? Like what was that? Like. I think they're like, I just have this great vision. I'm sure it's not like an electrocution of any sort, but I have this like comedy <laughs> vision of like, you know, almost like, uh, like cartoon characters, like they get too close to each other and they're like zapped or like, uh, like the dog that like runs into his like invisible wall and like, ah, like, like, like there's jazz general manager, Justin Zanuck. Ah, you're within six feet of somebody. Ah. Okay, sorry. Like, I just totally have this no, like, crazy vision. I, I could picture it. You know, you could picture guys playing cards, and it's the same thing. You know, somebody stands up to celebrate the card game, and the alarm goes off. I mean, you could just picture it in so many different ways. Um, as far as I know, a lot of those things for the players are actually optional, but the staff members um, are, are supposed to wear them. So that will be something to track. You know, we could do a little meter maybe along the way of how many people I've seen, you know, violate the, uh, violate the proximity alarm. We could, I can give you a running total. 
Ben Golliver, Washington Post. Go grab his newsletter. Go to his Twitter account, which is at Ben Golliver. And then right now, go to uh, subscribe to his newsletter. You get the inside scoop on all of that. Josh Lloyd continues to put out amazing content at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. So right now, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Fantasy Basketball.